The work of a man's life is to be becoming all he was made to be, to discover his unique identity, his purpose in the world, and to be living that out. In today's special episode, guest Michael Warden and I have a powerful conversation about the transformational impact of the Braveheart Intensive. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, family. This is Danielle and Justin, and this is episode 118. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by Freshly. Yeah, Freshly offers chef-prepared, all-natural gourmet meals delivered to your front door with a weekly subscription. Mmm, yum, yum. Oh, it's so good. Meals arrive fresh, never frozen. It's all good stuff, like healthy stuff. Uh, And they've got great options for paleo and all of that stuff. And they're ready to eat within three minutes. I could eat in three minutes. Yeah. Just go to legendarymarriage.com slash freshly. You can get 30% off your first month and begin enjoying those fresh, delicious meals delivered right to your door every week. Yummy. Hey. All right. So... Uh, Back in episodes 31 and 32, we had uh, one of my favorite guests. He's my mentor, my friend, my brother in arms, Mm. Michael Warden. And uh, we're having him back on the show today. But what I want to do a little bit of setup here, because this is not this is not our normal kind of a thing. He didn't know he was being recorded for the episode. No, he knew he was being you recorded, had like just a not secret, for the episode. You had like a secret recorder and you recorded him. So no. anything that might be in this episode, who knows? No. It's not on the record. No, it was, it was actually a conversation Mike and I were having last night. Um... And I just, we got to the end and I was like, okay, I got to share this with our legendary marriage audience. What was so compelling about this episode? um, Well, it got me thinking. uh, A couple weeks ago on episode 116, Mm -hmm. Danielle and I shared some of our story, how we hit a crisis in our marriage, found our way back together and have been, you know, building building a legacy together ever since. Amen. Um, we're not done. There's no destination. It's no. an adventure. We're not perfect. Nobody is. Anybody who tells you they are is delusional or lying. <laughs> All right. Dis- disclaimer done. Uh, a huge part of what happened in our story was uh, we made a defiant decision to to not divorce, but to actually find a way to make things better. Right. And we tried all kinds of stuff. We did all the normal things, the classes, the counselors, the, the, the pastors, the groups, the things like that. The witch doctor. And it helped, but it Not didn't really. put us into uh, the place we wanted to be because we had gone from being adversaries to kind of being teammates in, in trying to rebuild things to being roommates. Like it was okay. Things are okay. We love each other. It, we're kind of maintaining the status quo, but we didn't want that. We wanted to be becoming soulmates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what every couple wants. And here's the catalytic thing that transformed it. May 2011, found out that we were pregnant after nine years of infertility. And then the next day after finding out we were pregnant and we were celebrating and everything, and the next day I woke up and, 
and felt like somebody had hit me in the face with a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, the doctors, the doctors, the dentists, the x-rays, the stuff, I was grinding my teeth all of a sudden, and the doctors were so scared that I was going to crush them. I was going to grind them. What's um, the word I'm looking for? Disintegrate Disintegrate them? my teeth, grinding them. Were you a little stressed about becoming a dad? Uh, something in me broke and said, there's something in me that's broken. If I don't deal with this, I'm going to screw it up with my kids. Mm. And uh, I didn't know what. It was at this, it was another defiant decision. Like, okay, I have work to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Don't know where to go, but I'm doing it. Right. Because I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to screw up being a dad. Um, and about that time, Mike Warden, our guest today, uh, he and I were having coffee and I, I was just sharing about some of this. And he goes, you know what? I, I, I want to invite you to something. We've had, we, I do this thing called the Braveheart Intensive. And I went, yes. <laughs> he didn't explain what it was. Didn't tell me a, a detail about it, but I just knew because yeah. I know him and I trust him and I love the guy and I respect him deeply And something in my spirit just knew, like, this is my next step. I was terrified. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a a retreat. It was was Thursday night through Sunday afternoon, out in two hours away, out in the hill country, um, with a group of guys I'd never been, never met. And I have, I have some, some issues. Part of my wounding in childhood is, is like entering into circles of people and where I don't know. And I, I kind of shrink and... You might be rejected. There was a lot of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of anxiety around it. And I remember riding my motorcycle and I was late. I got stuck in Austin traffic and I'm riding my motorcycle about 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. Honey, come on. A, on a gravel road. Okay. Trying ca- to get there. I'm already an hour behind. My mother listens to this episode. And it was it was literally the one and only time I have ever because if you know me, I, I, Mr. I'm, Safety, I'm all the gear all the time. I'm Mr. Safety about motorcycles, but it was it was this one thing, um, and everything was fine. I got there safe and all of that, and I've never done it since. But it changed everything. Like Braveheart Intensive changed everything for me. Um, coming into a place of understanding myself in a deeper, richer way changed how I showed up for Danielle and our marriage, changed how I showed up at work, changed the trajectory of my career. Yeah. Uh, and awakened and unleashed um, me in a way that uh, I, I don't know how to fully describe. And, and you know what? The, the domino effect that came out from that is, I would say, immeasurable. Like yeah. you tuning into knowing yourself and who you are, who you're created to be. Um, the overflow was like in every area of life. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it was one of the most important things you ever did. And so this conversation um, is really a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I walked into that weekend terrified. I walked out uh, and I said, okay, this is the work I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And that's the work that I do as a coach, um, both with Legendary Marriage and as a facilitator and coach with Braveheart Intensive now for the last eight years. And last night, Mike and I were on a call for recording our conversation for a particular group within the Braveheart Men. And when we wrapped it up, I said, man, I got to share this with our Legendary Marriage audience because I just think it's such a powerful 
uh, insightful conversation into what we do in Braveheart and what we talk about in Legendary Marriage with the, the first pillar being know yourself. And this is why. Because if you don't do your work to know yourself, your values, your identity, your mission, your purpose in the world, it's really, really hard to show up as your best self for your family, for yeah. your spouse, for your for your own life. So let's get to it. So Mike Warden, he's an author, coach, like you said, founder of the Braveheart Intensive. He's published several books. He's even working on his final installment of his epic fantasy series. He's a man of all talents, um, but he is a man dear, near and dear to both of our yes. hearts. And so here is conversation with Justin and Michael Ward. Now, this recording wasn't intended to be an interview for the show, so it's it's not going to feel typical, uh, but I know you're going to appreciate the conversation. All right, so let's, here we go. Let's get to it. Well, it is Sunday, March 3rd, and we are on our final call for Braveheart Reignite. Yes you and it's me and the yeah. sound of campfire in the background and the sounds of i guess those are crickets now or something yeah. but yeah that's right well i just got back um last night i got home about 12 30 uh from a braveheart intensive down in lano texas i was there with uh, a couple of other braveheart leaders and uh just six uh men who are on staff at a church down in Austin and they, they went through it together. This church has been, this is now their second time to do this. So they now have 12 of their staff men who are, who've been through Braveheart and it's a way that they're moving toward getting this work into the fabric um, of the way they do ministry and the way they do relationship with one another, um, which is fantastic. I had a great time and so cool. Beautiful location, really terrific hearted men. It was so obvious, like we've talked about here, how um, how easy it is to fall asleep, how easy it is to kind of get to fall into a reactive space where you you don't think about or don't feel like you have time to think about who you are in Christ, what your identity is in Christ, what your mission is. Uh, and these guys are in full-time ministry uh, saying, oh yeah, that is way difficult. And so it was so gratifying to get them, you know, as they got clear in their identity statement, they immediately saw this, this is the anchor that I have been desperate for in this battle, you know, yeah. like where I, you know, like I often think back in the world war one in particular, but even world war two and even Vietnam, like, if you're in the middle of the melee, how do you even know where the front line is? You know, and yeah. so, so you just get caught up in the mass. And so I think the identity statement, mission statement, is a, is just such an easy, very practical way of uh, for these guys and to, to establish just quickly. This is who I am. This is what I'm here for, and move back into proactivity. So it was fantastic. It just reinforced how much I love this work and um, for for its practical application, you know, to real world yeah. uh, situations. So yeah. absolutely, you know, I I I, always, I often put it this way: like it changes the game. It changes the nature of the battle. Like mm-hmm. instead of fighting against all the stuff, like I know what I'm fighting for, and it's such a a, a deeper, more uh, clear, and present and 
powerful uh, place to choose from. Absolutely. They, in fact, they even brought that up of one of the temptations in ministry when things are not, I, I think it's true in any job, when things are not going the way you want them to, and you don't feel alive, like you feel like you're being pretzeled uh-huh. in some way. Been there. Um, yeah, me too. Um, that the temptation in that moment is to blame the system and to say, my boss doesn't get me, that leadership team doesn't get me, all this other stuff doesn't get like, And what is inadvertently happening, what makes that part of your shadow or a temptation of the shadow is that you're moving into a victim um, mode. You're like, I am, I am being put upon in a way that I'm powerless to do anything about. And one of the things these guys pointed to was having knowing your identity and your mission negates it because I am responsible for who God made me to be. I am responsible for the mission God has given me. I am going to do it in this context to the best of my ability. And if the system I'm in actually suppresses it to the point where I cannot do it, I leave. That's, you know, but many times what we've seen in the work is that men, when they really look at it, recognize they don't have to leave. They just have to become more uh, firm in making sure they're showing up in their identity and their mission. Yeah. Um, uh, you can say, I mean, one, one kind of obvious, I say obvious example, maybe it's not, but um, if you're a bus driver and you feel like you're called to, to set hearts free, you can make an argument that you should not be a bus driver, but honestly, like um, I think you could set a lot of hearts free sitting in a bus driver's seat. Have you, uh, there's a brilliant uh, Ted talk on that very thing that the guy it's, he's from uh, some Scandinavian kind of country Sweden or Norway or something like that. But he tells a story about a bus driver who absolutely is living on purpose, living on mission, you know, lighting up the world, yeah. driving the bus. And the, the title of the TED Talk is called Hostmanship. If you just go on YouTube and search for Hostmanship, mm-hmm. it's brilliant, brilliant talk. Yeah, that's, I, I'll look it up. That's, that is, though, the, the concept makes so much sense when you uh, stop to look at what it means to operate within your identity and mission. It's often not super subject to context. You can usually find a way to... Yeah. There, there are exceptions, but I mean, I would say usually you can find a way to show up in your identity and mission. And it's, it's not as, it's not, uh, I'm going to say two things that are going to sound uh, opposing. It's not complicated as we make it out to be. No, 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 and not at all. It's not the oversimplified <laughs> thing either. It, it's the natural kind of a flow thing. Um, it comes out, it really comes out of choosing a perspective and yeah, it comes out of, uh, I mean, I, probably the fundamental difference is one we've been talking about since the beginning of reignite, which is, yeah. um, you, you have to, to be conscious and you have to be proactive. You have to be creative and make decisions rather than, uh, always be reactive and sort of just reacting to everything happening to you rather than being a proactive agent. Uh, that's the number one, uh, a job one is being awake, awake and oriented times four, you know? 
I know who I am. I know where I am. I know the story I'm in and I know what my mission is. Like if you know those four things, you, you can, you can make a powerful difference. That was so cool to see these guys, uh, get that on a, for themselves on a deeper level and to recognize not only that they have that power, but that they need other men to be connected with them. Um, not, not as like we think about accountability partners in the, in like to make sure that they perform well, but as witnesses and as co laborers, as, as yeah. other men who are awake, um, I, I got teary with them. We were, we were doing our final checkout and, and, uh, I was like, yeah, I just love this work. Cause now I know there are other men who get up in the morning and say their identity statement and they say their mission and they face the day. And that means I've got to show up too. I mean, in some way we're depending on one another to do that. I need to know that somebody else is doing that yeah. because it gives me the strength to continue to do it. Um, on days when I don't feel like it at all. So it's interesting because I've done so much of, of that work over the years of looking at, um, uh, you know, people like uh, Hal Elrod does the, the Miracle Morning and there are all these different kinds of versions of morning routines. And, and some of them are like honestly incredibly complex. Like here, take 15 minutes for this and an hour for this and two hours for this. And, and you know, oh, well, well so you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> to be able to get to work by 10 o'clock, whoever gets to work at 10 o'clock and doing all these dancing through all these different movements and affirmations and, and, and uh, attractions and all the different pieces of it. And what I love is that, that uh, really, I think God is so much more concerned about who we are becoming than, than what we're accomplishing. And so just that, that, values, identity, mission has this powerful capacity to reset us. And I, so I'm going to confess this. I've been in this kind of, uh, not tailspin, but I have been, I haven't been in the circle, so to speak, the last couple of days, um, yesterday and today. And I think that's part of what I, we were, before we hit the recording, we were talking about this. Like, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of tanked out creatively. I'm like, uh, watching a training an online training like five times and i can't i couldn't tell you a word of it like i'm just i'm edged out and uh i immediately as we're talking about this i'm like ah yeah i i haven't done my morning uh routine which is simply my identity and my mission right and there are times i build on that and do other things but it has such a powerful practical pragmatic way of centering us. It's such a simple thing, but it's not the super ethereal, you know, I'm going to, to, to meditate on this in this kind of way. It's, it's, it's very practical and it has very uh, practical results to it. It does. I, I really do like to think of it, like even why we say personal strategy session rather than a quiet time. And, because I like to think of it as I'm in an army, a spiritual army, and we're advancing the kingdom of God. And I'm reporting to my commanding officer. I'm kneeling down and I'm like, and I'm getting my orders from him for the day. And in that sense, just by me coming and standing in his presence, I'm reminded of who I am, who he is, the story I'm in. And, what, and then he'll tell me 
through my mission, through my identity and mission statement, he'll often point to one phrase, one word, or even bring to mind somebody that I'm going to be encountering that day and say, uh, pay attention, just something like that. Just pay attention when you're in that conversation, be your identity for them. And they're like, Oh, got my orders. And I, you know, and so <laughs> I'm out, I'm still with Christ all day, but that notion of having that, that, uh, coordinated compass heading, I, I know what my objective is, you know? So it is much, much less woo woo kind of, I'm going to meditate on, you know, I'm, I'm a flower and I'm just going to feel that, or I'm an eagle. I'm going to feel like I'm soaring. I, I, it's more, I need to understand this. I need to know who I am spiritually or I will be ineffective. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm an eagle. I'm soaring. The visualization, those kinds of ethereal meditations, they have a place and they're they can yeah. be powerful and, and, and inspirational and, and, and spiritual experience for people. Um, and without them, without something like that tagging into something pragmatic, like we're talking about, it does just become a, a, a for me, it becomes another fiction. Yeah. It becomes another fiction, and I'm trying to build a life from a place of fiction, and, and it, I just end up in fantasy yeah. instead of <clears throat> facts that create that I can create reality from. That That's right. And I guess to, it's to your point about it, God is way more interested in who you're becoming than anything else. And so the premise of the whole thing is that God has spoken to you something that's true. So, so if I'm hearing, like we did, we did the the uh, um, Council of Truth, the way the hot seat, but um, yeah. uh, Council of Truth is what we called it. I love that. Uh, um, and this time, as much as any time, like the guys hear from the men about how, who they are. And, and it's, it's tear, you know, tears are flowing and guys are feeling the depth of being seen by other men and being called forth by other men. And then they read their identity statement at the end and without fail, it is on the money as to what, what they've just wrote down is what everyone has said to them. And the, the, you know, the whole message of that is you are not making this up. You are not making it up. It is who God has created you to be. Um, your and and so it led into a conversation about why. That's why Paul calls it a um, a fight of faith. It's what you're believing is what determines whether you win or lose yeah. in the Christian life. Period. And that doesn't mean doctrine. That means identity. That's we've gone, whew, but we're sitting right here around identity and mission that God has called you to. And I think it's so powerful speaking it out. You know, I, I'm not, I, I don't love the, those little trite expressions where it's like, it's not about the breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away and, you know, things like that. They kind of make me crazy, but I'm going to lay one down here because, because I think it, it, it speaks truth. I think it's so important to speak it out loud um, because our words create our world. Like literally God created with words. And so yeah. there's a very powerful uh, grounding thing that happens when we say it out loud. Totally. Yeah, we even talked about that also, just the creative power of blessing and cursing and calling things forth, um, calling things that are not that they are. And that that's, you know, right there in scripture about when you pray, this is what it, what it means when you're praying in the kingdom and you call something forth. So 
Yeah, I am. I, I, you know, when I start saying the things like, um, I am a warrior, I am a king, I, I am a lover, like those things are in fact true in the kingdom of heaven. They are true about who I am and they are not fully manifested in this world yet. Um, but I'm, but that's how I do it. Call it forth and then connect that to some pragmatic action, some practical action, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's reminding ourselves, uh, that before the fall, before sin, there was glory. Like, and again, we talk about it in the intensive weekend so much, like, yes, we have mud, we have sin, we have brokenness, we have a mess. And underneath all that, there is a masterpiece. There really, really is. And we, and the more we remind ourselves of that, not, not to, you know, out of ego or vain conceit, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but to remind ourselves, like God kind of knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, for me, I mean, I've struggled with anxiety and depression my whole life. Um, I've had false identities thrust at me, attention deficit, troubled kid, problem child, like, you know, loner, all of those things. And <clears throat> to actually have something, whether it is just the, and I say just, it is just the, the kind of the, the credo that we that we've been developing of I'm a brave heart man my heart is free and I have I will have the courage to follow it today or a fully developed identity statement or any place in between having that is it's like balm to the soul it's like it's like healing to the to the heart in, yeah. in a world where we face all these false identities all the time I'm ex- uh, the expectations and the the the, the roles that, that are kind of thrust upon us to define us mm-hmm. uh, to, to come back to, no, I'm, I'm God's wild river dog. <laughs> I know That's who right. I am and what my mission is in this moment. Yep. They even taught, we had a great conversation about um, you, you get the guys who see this might remember when we did a, a coaching on one of the days in Braveheart, we call it the identity at a 10 coaching, but um, we literally take a man from, we have him say his identity statement and then uh, identify on a scale of one to 10, how connected he feels to it in that moment. And uh, in this case, it was a uh, five. Um, and then we, uh, we walk the man one step or two steps at a time to get to a 10. And, you, and we, so we saw the transformation occur just in real time of, of a man who is, who is halfway owning who he is, yeah. uh, three quarters of the way owning who he is and fully owning who he is. And what is so kind of bizarrely magical about it, even though in spiritual terms, we know what's going on, but it's still kind of, it's like, wow, this is crazy. But he, his stance is not changing dramatically. He's just standing. Mm-hmm. But something about his stature and his countenance and his power dramatically shifts from yeah. five to 10. Um, and we all are aware of it. We feel it. We feel the power of the man. Uh, we feel the depth of the man, like all that stuff happens. And then we went into a conversation about how one of the, one of the subtle temptations for all Braveheart men <laughs> is uh, to live at a five or a seven. 
um, because it is actually quite possible to live there and do good in the world and have a passable life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you know you're never fully alive. And there's that nagging, that quiet desperation that Henry David Thoreau talks about is what lives in the five to seven range. Yep. <clears throat> so um, we made the point, like you talked about just now, having feeling like your, your tank is empty and you've hit a wall and then recognizing, oh, I haven't been doing the identity stuff for the last day or two. And they uh, said in the group this last week, I thought it was so insightful, they said, and one of the mistakes that I make, one of the guys said, was I will recognize that, that I've done that while I'm still at a five or a six and I'll try to think of a remedy from there. Yep. Which uh, I'm like, exactly. The first thing you got to do, go to your circle, like get in touch with your identity and then make a decision about what to do. Yeah. You have the resources. They're inside you. They're who you are. It's like the moment you find yourself in a street fight with uh, Chuck Norris, uh, Conor McGregor, and some other famous tough guy and you're blindfolded with one arm tied behind your back and uh, your pants are down. <laughs> and going, well, what the heck? Let's just see what happens. Let's I try can to get a shot. Right. I'll, I'll take you all on. Come on, bring it. Right. <laughs> I may go down, but I'll go down fighting. I yeah. Know, I'm Irish. <laughs> well, because they would do it, those Irish folk, you know. They so, would just stand there. <laughs> so, so I'm going to kind of set this up. In the weekend, we talk about believing and receiving that identity, and it it is a very uh, 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 experiential uh, thing that happens. Like every man meets meets God there. Like God shows up for every man in a unique way every time. It's it's really really remarkable, and we get to the end of that time Sunday, and 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 then we're setting these guys out on the world. And there's, there's this big gap between the, okay, so I've got this thing and, and it, it, this, this identity, this mission, this thing, and it's this embryonic kind of a state, or for some guys walking out, it feels, feels much more developed than that. Um, there's this gap between having, having this beautiful thing, like written down on a, on a piece of paper and we give them this nice little thing where they can fill it all in, um, and having it be something that is that is so lived into that it becomes uh, it becomes a, a truly a piece of them, mm-hmm. the process of it. So, uh, and this is what we've been talking about for the last three weeks: is how do we make that shift um, from idea to habit, or from a practice even to an ingrained habit. And uh, I'm, I wanted you to share some of that atomic habits at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Uh, we, so we did something different in this brave part, and I think it's going to be the way we'll do it for the foreseeable future. Um, uh, rat, what we called men to do, and it's what we're going to ask the, the reignite guys to do as well, um, rather than take your identity statement, your mission statement, your values, and then say, what's the bold, like crazy, big, fat, hairy, audacious goal that or step that you can take in the next six weeks to claim your identity? Um, 
we're in this last one, we said, okay, be aware that that you may have that. Maybe there's a thing that you will be called to do, but what we're going to ask you to do or ask you to commit to is simple. It's to get up in the morning, put your feet on the floor and say your identity statement out loud and say your mission statement out loud and wait for about 15 seconds or 20 seconds, whatever, and just let God, let breathe and let God talk to you. Yeah. That's it. For 30 days. So uh, the, we have now really great research that supports why we're asking men to do it this way, which I'll go into. But um, I'll say um, the what what it could be, it could be, I said, you know, when you get up, but it's like just some little thing, but after you brush your teeth, when you get in the car, whatever, just do that <clears throat> for 30 days. The men who went last week through um, Braveheart started that today. Today was their first day. This is the, what did you say the date was? It's the, it's the 3rd of March today. March, March 3rd. Uh, and uh, they started this, they started this morning. So um, we'll ask the reignite guys, like, as you watch this to, um, the commitment would start tomorrow, you know, the next day of just in the morning for the next 30 days, do this. And our, our challenge around it is, uh, pay attention to what happens to you in those, in those 30 days. You don't have to do anything other than what we're asking, but then pay attention to what happens to the quality of your life, to your connection to God, to your sense of joy or your sense of purpose, to how much you're reactive or, or proactive, like any shifts that happen like that. And then by at the end of the 30 days, simply evaluate and say, is this worth me continuing to do? Yeah. Um, and that's it. And you yeah. can drop it or not. What we know because we've lived it is um, this will change a lot. It will change your life. Uh, over time, not the initial little thing, uh, it will change your life, but, but more and more as you step into it, it will lead to other things, which is where this, uh, research points to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Glad uh, you I, agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, what I love about it is, is the ask isn't, okay, now go take these cities right? Go take the promised land. You, you have everything you need, now go. It's actually giving men a, a chance to, to soak into it, to, to let the belief really happen, to let the, the, uh, the living it out really happen. Yeah. And, you know, to say, okay, give it a minute, give it 60 seconds a day. Can yeah. I find 60 seconds a day? And if I get up in the morning and I forget, and it's two o'clock in the yeah. afternoon, can I find 60 seconds at two o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Do it then. Do it then. So we will we'll say to men, like, just to get it going, you might want to write down your identity statement and your mission statement on a three by five card to have it on your bedstand or have it taped to your mirror in your bathroom or have it taped to the dash of your car, wherever you're going to, you want to do it. And then have it taped on the wall next to the toilet. If you want to do it when you're sitting on the toilet, just, well, let's be honest. We all squat and surf. It's on my phone. Let's do that. So, uh, well, let me tell you where the research then comes from. And yeah. it's pretty cool. This, this stuff comes out of a book called Atomic Habits. And uh, so what you see on your screen now is just a little um, page that has some of the graphics from that book. So I'll walk through a couple of these that will help explain um, 
where this comes from. The thing about Atomic Habits is um, it's not original research. This guy has just done a fantastic job of collating and bringing together all the research that's happened over the last couple of decades around behavior change and around habits and actually hacking into habits and how they work and how people successfully create change in their life using habits. And um, so I'll, I'll start just like pointing here around the three layers of behavior change, and then we'll dive into the habit loop and other stuff like that. Only take a few minutes, really. It's not, it's, it's kind of intuitively obvious when you see it, but like the three layers of behavior change is one of the places research they looked. And it basically means that you can create um, a habit that is targeting an outcome. Like I want to lose 10 pounds. And so I'm going to run uh, two miles every morning. And that would be an outcome based habit. Uh, process based habit has more to do with like um, the systems you have in place to accomplish your day. So um, I get up, I put my left shoe on, my right shoe on, you know, what order you do those things in. Where, where I eat breakfast, how, how I do the shower, like all the morning routine would be process-based. So you can uh, use and leverage that. <clears throat> and then this little gym in here, identity-based habits, are habits that are born out of the primary narrative of who you are. So it's the idea of, I do, I do this because I'm the kind of guy who does this. So an example of that might be, let's say you're an Olympic athlete or just, an, just a really good athlete and you are in a car accident and you break your leg. So you go into the hospital because you already have the narrative that you're, you're, you're an athlete, the chances are very high that your recovery habits around your injury will be very much in the mindset of an athlete. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do what, uh, because I'm the kind of guy who does athletic things, I'm going to recover faster than they say I should. I'm going to get there quicker. I'm going to take care of my body better. I'm going to, you know, like all that, those are identity based habits or practices. Um, and so just that's kind of interesting to even look at like where, where these categories, uh, show up in your life. Um, yeah. What they do say is that most of the time, when you, when you think about a New Year's resolution, it's almost always an outcome-based habit. And what that means is, uh, like we'll take the typical, I want to work out three times a week so I can get ripped for summer. So I can be, have a beach body, right? So uh, what I'm doing is I want to I want to have an outcome. And my, my whole habit is based on this, I want a particular look physically. That's an outcome. And I and the premise that I'm going on is that if I get that outcome, if I actually look like I'm ready for the beach, then I'm going to feel and be an athlete. If I do this, I'm going to become this. Right. So um, what, though, is more often the case and you've heard stories like this all the time, like the guy who who loses 100 pounds and now he looks terrific. And then he inter somebody interviews him and he says, I still feel like I'm the fat kid at the party. Yeah. Um, the reason that is so is that the, the guy's identity has not shifted. His external circumstances shifted, but his identity hasn't shifted because he doesn't believe he actually is that, right? Um, what they say in the research is because of that quality, because of that characteristic of outcome-based habits, that's often why they fail over the long haul, because we have these deep-seated narratives about who we are 
that operate in uh, contradiction or against any kind of outcome we're trying to achieve. So like uh, if I say um, I'm going to be scheduled, I'm going to be organized and I'm going to start, you know, using a day timer or use a calendar online or whatever. Um, but I have a narrative inside me that says I'm scatterbrained. That's who I am. I'm the kind of guy who's scatterbrained. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter how organized I get. I will eventually revert back because the identity beats the outcome, you know? Well, any, anytime we're letting, it, it's an external circumstance defining us. Mm-hmm. Even if you change the external circumstances, there's an impermanence to it. Right. That's right. So you more perceived. Right. So what they say, and again, none of this research is Christian-based. They've never been through Braveheart, but it's going <laughs> to totally reinforce. So what they say is you need to have an identity-based habit. And here's what they mean by that. Let's say that I want to I wanna write... I want to write a book. So an outcome-based habit of that would be, I want to write a book by the end of this year, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to do so many pages a day. The identity-based habit would be, I, I, I want to apprentice myself to becoming a writer. It's a different, the language is different. Uh, and the, the, uh, the goal is different. It's not about getting a book written by the end of the year. It's about in embodying the identity of a writer. I want to apprentice myself to being a writer. And that means I want to start a writing practice. And so that comes from, from there. So when we talk about Braveheart, where we have an advantage over um, people who don't hear from God or don't have a connection with God that they're aware of, where we have this encounter with God in which he says, you are <clears throat> the wild river dog. And here are some things that are true about you as a result of that. <clears throat> and that you have that on very, very good authority that that's who you are. <laughs> the yeah. best authority that there is has now said, this is who you are. So now, even if you don't feel like you have some of the things yeah. he has said, it's like Gideon in, um, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament when he says, Hail, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And the guy's going, what are you, who are you talking to? It's not me. But it was him. And he did turn out to be a mighty warrior because the, the truth is the truth is what will set you free in that regard. So identity based habit would be God says to me, I am the wild river dog. And what that means is that I'm wild and free. And so there's some, there's a practice now that I want to apprentice myself to, to embody that identity. Uh, It's identity based habits, right? And, and I, I think the, the shift there is uh, uh, when, I, when my habits don't align with, when my reality doesn't align with my identity, it's, 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 I still have space for compassion for myself, for curiosity instead of contempt. And, and I'm just speaking for myself. Like when I go and, and I am God's wild river dog. And I, you know, there's a lot more to that over the last eight years. Um, but as I'm going through that and I'm going, oh, well, this piece of my life doesn't align. Isn't like if somebody looked at my life and I said, this is told them, this is what I, who I am, they would go, oh, that's not an alignment. I don't see it. I I can go, okay. I can go back to the source and, and say, it's true. How do I live more into it? As opposed to looking at the outcome of my life and saying the outcome defines my identity. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's sort of like the old tale about the kid who was born the son of the emperor, um, but who through some tragic circumstance gets lost and separated from his family, ends up growing up in the streets as a pauper, as a beggar and a thief. And then he gets rediscovered uh, like when he's 13 years old. And so the story, the story of that kid re reconnecting to who he actually is, is a battle that, ha- but the, it's a battle, but it is very true that he is the son of the emperor. That is extraordinarily true. It's not, uh, his experience of himself has never been that, but it is extraordinarily true. So an identity-based habit in the Braveheart sense is simply a practice that stems directly out of what God has said to me about who I am. Yeah. Right. So that's the idea. Um, and then this whole idea of like you see habit loop here and how to create a good habit. I'm going to skip that for just a second because the down here in terms of habit stacking, this this is uh, in some ways like the big hack, like hacking into how habits work and why um, why habits, why why attempting to create new habits so often fail. And the classic example they give is this the standard one we all know of. I want to go to the gym. I want to start going to gym three times a week and work out for, uh, let's say, an hour and a half, three times a week. And, and so we start to try to do that. And generally speaking, if we're really good at being disciplined, um, we will have success for a while. Um, but there generally something gets in the way and it fails. And often the pattern is we do it for a while. Something gets in the way, it fails. We lose sight of it. Then we come back to it. We try again. And our cycle is in and out of this practice that never quite gets established. It's sort of orbiting our life, but isn't really there fully. It isn't integrated fully. And the reason they say the research now shows is that in fact, when you're trying to do something like go to the gym three times a week, you think that's one thing. We tend to just intuitively think that's one thing I'm trying to do. But in fact, when you break it down, it's like 15 or 20 things that you're trying to do. Um, all and make all those changes at once. And the human mind is not wired to make significant multiple changes like that all at one time. It's designed to move in small, small shifts that are almost imperceptible, but over time move to dramatic change. Um, so the examples that they give and the research example they gave was having a group of guys and gals who did the regular thing, commit to three times a week for an hour, an hour and a half, and follow them for a year. And then another group that did what they advocate for, which is uh, breaking down, going to the gym into its substanti- um, into its constituent parts, which is, uh, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. is just an example. I have to put on my gym clothes. Um, I need to get my head right to go to the gym. I got to put my stuff in the car. I got to get in the car. Like all that, just they broke it all down into these things that basically each take two minutes or less. Yeah. Um, and then they said, okay, so rather than try to do it all at once, let's add one of those at a time and do it until it becomes a habit. So this sounds so counterintuitive on the surface, but stay with me. So uh, the, first, the first thing is to wake up at 6 a.m. And so you, that, you don't even go to the gym. You don't try to do anything. You just wake up at 6 a.m. And you do that for 20 days or 21 days or whatever 
it takes for you to kind of, for that to become habitual. And then the second thing you do, once that's established, is you put on your gym clothes, get, you, know, you know, wake up at 6 a.m., put on your gym clothes and say, it's a good day to work out. It's a good day to work out. And that's it. You don't go to the gym. You don't do anything else. You just go about your day until that becomes a habit. And then you, get, you take your bag and put it in the car and you see where this is going. So you yeah. add a new little tiny habit every 20 days or so. And so you don't even get to the door of the gym until four months later, <laughs> which is what it, like, that's crazy. You're not doing anything. But again, the research, the research proves it out. They follow a group of people who did it this way. And so they start going to the gym four months in and then track them for the following uh, uh, eight months. And so they come back at, at a year later and compare these two groups, the group that did it all at once or tried to, and the group that did the tiny habits. And of course, you know, what I'm going to tell you is that the vast majority like blew it out of the water. The guys who did the tiny habits were still working out and were in better shape. And now, rather than the goal being outcome-based, and this is where the key difference is here, it's not about getting into a certain kind of body type or body shape. It's about apprenticing yourself to being an athlete. And so suddenly, a year later, these guys are now athletes. This is now a part of their life. This is who they are um, because that's what they were after rather than I want a particular kind of outcome. And when you put it in that long game form where I'm playing the long game here about changing, about embodying something that I think is deeply true of who I am inside, then spending four months just getting to the door of the gym is no big deal when I'm thinking about a lifetime of having a, having a lifestyle that is reflective of my true identity. So habit stacking is that idea of just adding one thing on top of the other <clears throat> so that you can um, accomplish the larger goal. I love it because it's, you're reprogramming yourself, your brain, one line at a time. It just exactly. It makes it so possible it makes it so uh, possible, probable, realistic that it really, it really makes it hard to fail. Yeah. Or lack of uh, the 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 choice to to show up in it. That's right. That's right. And in fact, in terms of that, they actually they they tell you like here's here's how you know when you have the right size habit. Is that when when you when somebody says this is what I want you to do, and then your first response is, um, first I can I can totally do that, and second is that's almost that's like too easy, yeah that that's the sign that you have the right that you're in the right ballpark. Um, so like getting up at six a.m. might be kind of challenging, but just as a first step, and then the next step is I'm going to put on my gym clothes and not go to the gym. Um, what that that's I can do that but that sounds too easy what they talk about in the group in the book there atomic habits by James Clear is what you're establishing is the the uh the skill of showing up and and they talk about this again and again where anytime you want to move toward a significant new identity expression in your life the first thing you have to do is figure out how to show up consistently So once I get to the point where I am at the door of the gym, 
the rest of it's pretty easy. I just got to walk in. Like the next one they have there is you walk in and you work out for five minutes and you leave. And, <laughs> and so they want to keep you like it's got to be achievable. But then you can see how it starts to become a, a snowball going downhill and each new thing you add becomes more obvious and simple. And like, of course, I would do that rather than it being res- you being resistant to it. It's so uh, counter cultural in a couple different ways. One is the like need a little less talk and a lot more bold action. Like, let's get after stuff, guys. Like, like get it done. Get it, get her done. Go after it. Like make big things and do big things and uh big things are made up of a thousand small things you know a great marriage is made up of a thousand tiny things it's no one grand gesture it's no it's no one big action um and the second piece that strikes me is just how anti uh anti-cultural or counter-cultural this is from even uh, the the way we market, the way we're marketed to, right? It, it's it's outcomes. Yeah, we're you know we're constantly talked to about the outcomes. Lose the weight, build the muscle, get the relationship, get the promotion. Um, you know, buy the house, do the things, retire early, whatever it is. It's all these outcomes that are that are really competing for our identity that's right in fact you can even now you know you can now see it like you go see any commercial and they're always selling an identity on some level they're like uh if you come to this country and stand and like on a vacation on this beach you'll be this kind of person it just you know it's sort of you'll be this kind of person that you've always wanted to be yeah, you'll finally get that. I do that. want to be that. I've never thought of that before, but now, <laughs> exactly. that, now, that the, now that the dulcet tones of the voiceover artist have told me that that's what I want to be, I do. That's right. <laughs> but like we say in Braveheart, you know, we, we, we turn everything on its proper, in its proper head. It's all been turned upside down. Uh, mission flows out of identity. It's not the other way around. Uh, your identity does not come from what you do. What you do comes from who you are. And that identity comes from intimacy with Christ. And so the, the, this work of identity statement, mission statement, this simple practice of just listening is the essential root, the essential first step, the home base, ground zero for um, any growth out from there in embodying and inhabiting who God has created you to be and uh, moving toward that work in the world, bringing your full power to bear toward good in the in the world like all that not operating at a five or a six but operating at a 10 as much as possible so so yeah that's why we're actually asking for that to be the the, the takeaway from this reignite group is that 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 commitment be where we go from here the next step what is next is that 30 days identity mission listen to god go on your way don't spend more than two minutes doing it just just do that and then see how God shows up in that context and what happens as a result. At the end of that 30 days, if you want to keep going, then um, ask yourself, what's the next obvious thing that feels life-giving, that feels like it's, oh, yeah, I could do that. It seems too easy. 
yeah. and then do that uh, for the next 30 days. You saw in that graphic, I didn't talk about it, but the, the, the diagram of a habit and how it has a cue and, a, and yeah. then a craving. And so go, go, if you are interested and that's just, it's a great read, go get atomic habits, read about that. That will help you actually be more savvy in the way you set up your tiny habits so that you have an even higher level of success with them. If you can set them up where you get an immediate reward, um, for example, where the cue is obvious, where the craving is clear, where the response is clear, and the reward is immediate, you're very likely to, um, to just do it. Yeah. This stuff really matters. It really makes a difference. Um, and I love that we could break it down into such elemental pieces. Uh, to set guys up for success. Exactly right. So it's been great to hang out with these guys and good to hear more about the struggles that, that are just ever present. They're always present and figuring out how to navigate them in a way where you, you do not lose uh, touch with who God's created you to be or the work he's brought you here to do. Um, that's the nature of the battle. That's the nature of the game. So uh, this stuff really, it is important and it does actually help, um, to, uh, to help you help set your heart free so you can set other hearts free. So, yeah, I think, uh, this transitions to the next thing I wanted to kind of touch on and it's, um, there was a line spoken and it was, it was either you or I can't remember the guy and I can picture the conversation at a brave art intensive years ago. And somebody said, you're not alone. Like guys, you're not alone. Don't stand alone. Yeah. And so that's, that's the, that, that's the way I think a lot about the, the upcoming, the fellowship pilot and what we've got planned beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so um, let's just take a minute and, and kind of touch on the fellowship or our fellowship and, and we're doing with that pilot group that starts uh, just a week from this recording. Yeah, it starts May 10th. Uh, this will be our pilot for the Braveheart Fellowship. Our intention, we, we use the word pilot because our intention is for this to become a regular uh, thing that men uh, join and be a part of every month. Um, and it's it's largely for that. It's the, So you're not alone. So you can have some context where you are able to have the kind of conversation that helps you very um, intentionally work on becoming the man you're created to be um, and have the conversations you need to have in order for that to happen. I mean, there, there's a lot of weird talk about um, what a man is or isn't these days and yeah. what masculinity is or isn't these days. And I think it'd be great to just be in a context where we can have a thoughtful, a thinking conversation together, a thoughtful conversation together about what, what, when we look at the body of history of um, both within the Christian world and within the philosophical world about what do we know? What have all these men learned over the last several thousand years about what it means to be a man? What can we glean from that to help ground us now? Um, what would inspire you to take next steps? Um, I'm per I can't wait personally just to talk about the, the Greek notion of virtues and the Roman notion of virtues and and how those are going to, they've already kind of gotten into my head about how it inspires me toward growth, um, toward expansion as a man. And 
So um, uh, that's just one example, but there's tons more. So we're just going to have those conversations, um, talk about the issues of the day. I, the video I posted just the other day was like, what did your dad teach you about being a man? And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll really go at it in different angles. And our point is not to, um, it's not to indoctrinate. It's to uh, genuinely educate ourselves together. So uh, we don't have a, I mean, I have opinions and I'll share what they are, but I, I'm not really interested and neither is Justin in forcing an opinion or saying it's either this or you're out. It's more, let's have a conversation and see what we can learn from one another and from our history about what it means to be a man. This is going to sound a little strange, but if you're a big boy who's ready to make your own decisions about things and <coughs> opinions, it's a great place to have some deep, rich conversation Yeah, uh, with men who are intentional about becoming all that God created them to be. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, do sign up for that. And then also the Braveheart intensive itself coming up in May 16th through 19th in Idaho Springs. Uh, registration is open for that. If you know of a man if you you've not been through it then definitely it's you know why not you definitely want to do it it's just life-changing so yeah. but if you if you know of a man who uh or actually several men who you think would be great or ready for it right now um point them to it enlist them in it do the just go ahead and advocate for it fight fight for their hearts and get them in there if you want our help with that you can let us know who they are and we'll help you with it but um, but yeah, they'll like you. Your word is going to mean more than ours if they're friends of yours. So, All right. So um, the reason I share this conversation with our audience today, the, the truth is Legendary Marriage was born at Braveheart for me. Mm, so many years ago. I, I literally sat there Sunday afternoon after my Braveheart intensive and said, Mike, okay, this is the work I want to do for my the rest of my life. And... I know that we need to create out of this something for couples because Braveheart is for men. Mm -hmm. The Destiny Project is its sister program, and that right. is for women. Right. Very similar work, very different way of doing it. And I said, we need to create something for, for couples. And he looked at me and says, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> and, and how many years later is it so, now? So Eight years later? Two years later... God said, it's time for legendary marriage. And three years after that, it was, okay, now we have, now we started the podcast. And now two and a half years later, we're, we're starting to roll out some, some exciting things to, to help couples build a life of love and a legacy together. And it all began here. So, and, and our marriage was really renewed and, and taken yeah. from that roommate zone to the soulmate. Place. And you know what? I think that women get a lot of the messaging about, um, you know, work on yourself, self-care, you know, do your quiet time and all that. Um, and I think men sometimes get skipped over for this. Um, women are granted like, oh, you know, you're really in that mom role and, you know, you have all this mommy guilt and, you know, you really need to build into yourself and, you know, bring your identity to the surface of who you really are. And the truth is when Justin did that work, it changed the landscape of he and I together. It changed the yeah. landscape of him by himself, um, his mindset. Um, and it went across the board, you know, 
sex, money, and now parenting, um, it really changed the game. Yeah. And it changed how I measure success. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, over the last few years, uh, on the outside, circumstantially, we've had some big failures. Mm-hmm. And if I measured my life by, by those failures, I would not be here. That's true. So um, it, it's a game changer. I can't encourage you enough to check out Braveheart Intensive, braveheartintensive.com. And we'll put it in the show notes, we'll of course. We'll put in the show notes, absolutely. The uh, next, I- next event we have coming up is May 16th through the 19th in uh, Idaho Springs, Colorado. Uh, we only have, I think, 10 spaces left okay. as of right now on March 4th. So if you or your friends, family, you know somebody, a man who's ready for that work, uh, please encourage him to check it out. If you have any questions, drop me an email, justin at legendarymarriage.com. All right, that's it. And now the Talk About It segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right, so here's the question. What brilliance... Do you see in your spouse? Mm. Tell them about it. Yeah. This is a different one today. It's it's not it's not ask them, it's tell them. I just love speak it. to the to the truth, the brilliance, the the wonder, the beauty, the strength that you see in your spouse. I love it. So that's it for today's show. And as always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and all the show notes over at legendarymarriage.com slash 118. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Hey, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.